for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is September 7th, 2021. And today's guest is Tyler Bentley. And we're talking about going in blind on a travel hunt. All right, all right. Welcome back to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and today's episode is 177. Today's guest is Tyler Bentley, one of my good buddies, and we are talking about going in blind on a travel hunt. So a lot of people that listen to the Fall Podcast, they ask me questions about like traveling to hunt. Now, a lot of people are traveling to hunt now. You know, a lot of people that didn't do it before. So questions that I get are what to expect, like whether it be budget or money or glassing and scouting or hunting, or it's just a lot of different questions I get. So I thought it'd be cool to do a podcast with Tyler because him and his buddy and my buddy, Nick Kohili just went on a trip to North Dakota. Now we recorded this the day before they left, but this is obviously going live today and they are back now. So we're going to do a concluder podcast as well to it. But what I wanted to get into is like Nick has never been out to North Dakota. Tyler actually went like five years ago, but I wanted to get like that blind feeling. Like what are some hurdles that you had to overcome? What are your expectations? How did the expectations change? And 
basically what the thought process was. Were you overwhelmed? Like, cause North Dakota is vastly different. I mean, it is, there's some flat areas. It is not a lot of trees and a lot of uh, cover. So it can be very different. So we get into that day today. We even talk about how much it's going to cost them to go do this hunt. And it's relatively pretty darn cheap to do it themselves. So it's a really cool podcast. Like I said, we're going to do a concluder um, to talk about what the mindset is now after it's all said and done. So yeah, that's what today's podcast is all about. And before we do get into that interview, I do want to say, guys, if you are looking for a trail cam, we're getting closer and closer to season. Go over to exodusoutdoorgear.com. Check out Exodus cameras. I talk about it every week now. Uh, they are great cameras. I've got a couple cameras out right now. I got a render that is taking pictures like crazy. Um, the pictures are cream, cream, cream. They're clean, crisp, clear. I love it. The app, uh, the Scout Tech app. I really like the the app as well. Um, it's it's a camera that is hard to beat. It really is, and it's got a five year warranty, so that is also cool as well. Go check those guys out. ExodusOutdoorGear.com and uh, get yourself a camera. Also, I have been promoting Working Class Bowhunter. For good reason. Those guys are killing it over there. They are the OGs. They are doing a lot of cool stuff over there. Go over and check them out. Check their episodes out. And, uh, yeah, drop them a line. Tell them uh, AB sent sent you guys to go to check out their podcast. So that'd be great. I am rambling. I'm ready to get off this uh, intro. I'm going to get over this interview with Tyler. I'm going to leave you with, please go to iTunes, leave a five-star rating, and leave a written review. The written reviews go a long way. I know a lot of people listen to this podcast. Please just take a hot second, go over there and just say, love your podcast, and uh, leave a five-star rating. That would be greatly appreciated. So with that being said, here's this interview with Tyler. All right, welcome back to the Fall Podcast, and today's guest is return guest, my good buddy, Tyler Bentley. Tyler, thanks for coming on, buddy, again. Hey, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and honestly, this was kind of a last-minute deal because I forgot you guys are actually leaving tomorrow for your first hunt, you and Nick Kohili, uh, which tomorrow in podcast land would be September 2nd. But when everybody listens to this, you guys have probably already been tagged out for a couple days, <laughs> and oh, you're probably yeah. on your way back from North Dakota. But um, I wanted to get on here with you before you leave because I think the situation you guys are going to is is really cool, and I think a lot of people listening to this would really benefit from it because you guys are going to North Dakota basically blind. Um, and we'll get into the backstory on all this stuff here in a minute, but... You know, a lot of people are traveling to hunt now, and you guys are going to North Dakota early season, hoping to find a velvet deer, but not really, like, I don't think it's that big of a deal if you don't get one, but, like, you guys got permission, you went out there once, put some cameras out, and now it's, like, go time. So you have you have, you have, have some intel, but very little, um, and I think it's a scenario that a lot of people are in. So I guess, first and foremost, let's get into, like, how this whole trip came about, like, how did you find land in North Dakota? Like, how did it all start, basically? Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. Uh, my buddy, Nick Kohili, uh, he's part of the rise hunt with me. He actually has a buddy who lived in Michigan and moved to North Dakota about four years ago. Um, so he moved out there 
And the reason he moved out there was I think work, but he's a waterfowl hunter and you know, North Dakota is insane for waterfowl. There's, there's more birds than there is deer. At least it seems that way anyways. Um, but Nick was supposed to go to Wyoming. He was putting points in for Wyoming this year and he didn't draw. So he called me, he's like, man, we need to do an early season hunt. You know, I'd like to be somewhere September 1st. You know, we're looking at all the States that are, you know, early season. He goes, well, I got my buddy Austin that moved to North Dakota. I wonder if we could, you know, potentially go out to North Dakota and hunt early season. So he gave him a, gave him a ring, gave him a call and talked to him. And he's like, yeah, man, I killed a, a buck the first year I moved out here four years ago. And, um, we're like, man, maybe this, maybe this could work. So we got to talk and it all just started with a conversation because we wanted to go, you know, out West to do some deer hunting early season. So, um, that's kind of where it all started anyways. So what preconceived information did he give you guys? Like, oh, yeah, the bucks are great out here. Or, you know, was it any of that or was it nothing? Just like, okay, we got a spot. Let's go check it out. Was it kind of that sort of deal? It was. He's like, yeah, we might have to do some work and, you know, put some cameras out or, you know, some bait pile, something to try to locate this deer. He's like, it's endless amounts of land. Um, anybody who knows anything about North Dakota, there's no trees. I mean, hardly any trees. It's just big cattail sloughs, just wide open plains. I mean, it is remote as remote gets, but as far as, um, you know, him saying what's here, he's like, I really don't know. I killed the deer the first year I was here, but he's like, if you guys both want to come out here, um, we're definitely gonna have to put some boots on the ground and, and figure some stuff out. So from doing some of your research before you went out or, you know, just trying to figure out what North Dakota is like, and I, you did go to North Dakota in the past, right? With a buddy that, um, you were just filming them. So like knowing yeah. that stuff, like how is the hunting in North Dakota? Like, what was your mindset of like, how are we going to get this done? Cause it's obviously vastly different from what we're used to like in the Midwest. It is, man. It's it's totally different type of hunting, and I'm definitely not an expert at hunting big land. But when you get out there, I, I would say like when you start getting, you know, 45 minutes, an hour, maybe even two hours away, you start realizing how big and open it is and how little trees, you start to get a little bit overwhelmed. You're like, uh-oh, how the heck am I going to kill a deer out here? Because where we grew up in Michigan, it's woodlots and, you know, ag fields. And there's only so many spots a deer can go and live. And out there, it's it's a little overwhelming. You, you start to look around, you start to get a little overwhelmed. So definitely overwhelmed, but is it starting to make you think, now obviously as we're talking now, you have yet to hunt it, but like, is it starting to make you think as you're seeing it, you said overwhelmed, but very like discouraged? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could be discouraging if you, if you didn't already have some Intel out there, or maybe you'd, I, I have this new understanding now, like my first year out there, I was like, okay, this is impossible, but we killed on our fourth day, five years ago, our first time to North Dakota. I haven't been back since. So this trip, I, I feel a little bit more optimistic. This is Nick's first time to North Dakota. So he's got scratching his head a little bit, like what the heck, but um, it's just weird how these, these deer can live in cattail marshes and tall grass and, and no trees. I mean, we have spots yep. that are set up with zero trees on the back of a cattail marsh and we set up cell cameras and halfway home from, I mean, we set the cameras up, got in the truck, started driving home. Halfway home, we have pictures of shooter bucks on trail camera. Oh my gosh. So, you know, I guess getting into that, what is like what kind of eggs out there? Like what are, what are some ways to set up cameras and figure out where these deer are when it's like 
so wide open and, you know, not a lot of cover where you're at. I guess, first of all, geographically in North Dakota, where are you at? Like north, central, western, like where are you at? I think it's like southeastern-ish maybe. Like on the east side of the state, maybe central, a little bit south, somewhere in there. Okay, so like what is the terrain? You said obviously very open, but like, you know, is it just really flat, not, not a lot of hills? There are some gradual hills, but they're so long. I mean, it's like a mile. You can see the elevation change. Like watching the sunsets out there, dude, you can watch the sun just get eat, eaten right up by the landscape. You can see the curvature of the earth. It's just weird looking. <laughs> yep. So you can you can like watch your dog run away for a day and then stand out a beer can and watch it run for two. <laughs> Is that's that right. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> so going out there, I mean, what was your plan? Like you said, you, you mentioned bait you can bait out there then like is that a good way to get inventory and figure out what the heck are there it is so like the the last my first trip out there you know five years ago we went to north dakota completely blind we showed up and we're like you know we're scratching our heads how the heck are we gonna get deer on camera so we were like let's put some bait piles out i guess you know maybe maybe not even so much so to hunt over but more or less to try to like get some intel Um, and that worked, but the problem there is, okay, season started, you want to be hunting, not putting out bait piles and putting cameras out and waiting when time is limited. So I kind of told, you know, told that to Nick and Nick's buddy, Austin told that to Nick also, we're all kind of on the same page, like, Hey, this is going to suck, but maybe we should do two trips to North Dakota. It's 16 hours one way from where we live in Michigan, but maybe we should do a trip a week and a half to two weeks prior to our hunting trip go out there, set cameras, set our stands, put some corn piles out. Like I said, not so much to hunt over, but more or less just to try to get some inventory. Um, and that's kind of what we did. So we went out there a couple weeks ago, set our stands up, set some blinds up, set trail cameras. A few of them are cell, a few of them are cell cameras, a few of them are not. Um, but everything's all set up, baited. And like I said, we were halfway home and we already had pictures of shooter bucks. So, Jeez. so when you're, I'm, I'm sure you guys were scouring, you know, e-scouting when you're you know you're heading out there so like i would i would think with there not being a ton of cover when you're looking at a map or something you're probably gravitating more towards trees or 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 like a a structure aren't you like is that how you're trying to hone in on some of these places that's it you're pretty much looking for you know a slough a big slough a cattail marsh any trees trees are good Um, and then the other thing too, is figuring out what's posted and what's not posted, because we can get into that a little bit too. Um, in North Dakota, as long as it doesn't have no trespassing signs or a fence, um, we were looking at the guidelines and don't quote me exactly on this, but essentially if it's not posted, you can hunt it. You can park your truck, you can walk in on private property and you can go hang a tree stand and you can, you can hunt, you can hunt deer. Um, but as far as the cyber scouting, I mean, we're looking at these maps in North Dakota. I mean, you look like you're <laughs> looking at the dunes. You can't tell what's a marsh, what's a field, what's... It's so hard to cyber scout North Dakota because it's just so difficult. It's not like the Midwest where you're looking for a pinch point or... It's just so much different. It's so big. It's so vast. Yep. And then when we did get out there, we're like, hey, let's check these couple pins out, these spots we wanted to look at. And these cattail marshes are all brush hogged. They're gone. They're down to the ground. And we're like, oh my gosh, this was going to be one of our better spots. And that cattail marsh is no longer there. Um, so, so it took a lot, a lot of driving around to really, you know, figure everything out. 
Yeah, and especially early season. So you're you're going on the opener. So you know, deer like to bed close to food. You know, in the summer. You know, they don't like to get too far away. So like when you guys went out there, and you're getting close to these like little woodlots and everything, which I'm guessing it's not very big. Like I'm what I'm picturing is like like you know maybe a dozen trees or maybe five acre little woodlot. Is that correct? Is that like a yeah. good assumption. Yeah, very small. Like pretty much like tree lines, not really tree lots, but like tree lines. Okay. Um So like I guess my point is like when you're getting close to these little tree lines or wood lots or whatever, how are you did you kick any deer out? Were you like, you know, they've got to be bedded close, I would think. Surprisingly, we haven't kicked a ton of deer out. I think it, a lot of that has to do with Austin was telling us that this is the worst drought that North Dakota's seen since 1988. All the corn, all the beans, everything is fried. It looks like it's literally late November out there right now. Really? And it, it is horrible. I mean, even just driving down the interstate, the highway, the grass is dead, like 100% dead. You don't even feel like, I don't know what it feels like. It feels weird, like you're in Africa or something. Everything's just dead. Huh. And and uh, that, that makes it tough, too, with you know hunting over ag. Like, you got beans, and the beans are all pretty much dead. The corn is all dead. So that's that's throwing a wrench in the blender for us, too. So, but it could also be easy on the other flip side of the coin too, because you're allowed to bait. So if you do want to sit over a corn pile, like they're probably going to be craving the shit out of that stuff. Like it could probably let you hone in a little bit more on if you wanted to go that route too, I would think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It could be, you know, it could be for sure. Because like I said, we put some corn piles out on our last trip and we had bucks on camera almost immediately. Maybe that has something to do with it you know the crops are so bad the food is so scarce maybe that's maybe that's why they're hitting the corn pile so quick okay yeah I, that, and that makes sense so i guess i mean i think a lot of people listening to this and you'd probably agree is like a lot of people are in this scenario like there there's more and more people traveling to hunt now i mean it just it is what it is and you know looking for different trees to look at per se or just like different you know get into something different and try a different state so like it can be very overwhelming, which you'd already said, and discouraging. So, like, when you guys were driving out there, you said it could be a little discouraging. So, like, take me through that first trip. When you, like, got out of the truck for the first time to go check out some spots, like, what was your thought process? Uh, the first time out there five years ago or this time? Nope, this time. This time? This time, I, I feel like I wasn't quite as discouraged this time just because I've, I've done it before and we were successful. So I think this time I wasn't quite as discouraged other than like the crops being dead and short and vast. And I think this spot was even more remote than where I was five years ago. So I knew it was going to take some time driving around and putting boots on the ground and walk and stuff and, and really just, which, which is good because we had time. We were out there two weeks before season. We knew we had to put boots on the ground and, and get it all figured out. Yep. So five years ago, when you went out there for the first time, what was your thought process then when you've never been there before? I thought it was mission impossible, man. I was like, really? yeah, we shouldn't have came out here. This is going to be a waste of time and money. It's There's no deer here. There's no trees here. You know, being a Michigan hunter, I think you got to have trees to kill deer. I'm thinking deer live in the woods. No, they, they, they technically don't have to live in the woods. The deer live in the first six feet. If they have six foot of cover, they can live in it. Yep. So, okay, I want to go more off that thought process because that's what a lot of people listening to this are probably going to go through. And that'll be like the discouraging part of like, shit, I made a mistake. 
So like going back five years ago when you're like, this is mission impossible, you know, how did you guys get over that hump to like, well, you know, we got to figure something out here adapting. Basically. I always say like what makes a really good deer hunter, I feel like is they can adapt to any situation. So, and be successful. So like, how did you guys get over that thought process and that hump to like, you know, this has got to be, we got to make something good out of this, I guess. So on that trip, uh, what we did is we were a little bit stumped. So we, like I said, we went and put some corn piles out and put some cameras out in spots that we were, had zero optimism. We are like, there's no way there's going to be deer on these cameras, but we're going to try. Let's set up a few spots and see what shows up and let's go. Uh, set up uh, an observation stand and we set up in this pine tree and it was a not a very good hunting spot but we wanted to like get up as high as we could be able to glass you know a thousand yards in the evening it it was we almost didn't even need our bows it was pretty much just an observation and that first sit we were sitting we were looking and deer are just coming out of these little ditches just tall grass coming out of a ditch or one will come walk out of a cornfield one would walk out of this tiny little tree line and we're just like oh my gosh there's deer everywhere we thought there was going to be deer nowhere because when you're looking around you're like there's no deer i can see as far as you know i can see as far as my eyes will let me look and then in the evening when that sun starts to come down the deer just come out of everywhere man it's it's unbelievable you wouldn't even believe there's deer there if you drove through it you go nope there's no deer here but sit there in the sunset and put some time in and you'll watch you'll see right where the deer come out of it's wild so i'd have to think five years ago that first sit when you saw that happen it was like okay no this is this is legit. Like this is this is this is go time. We can make this happen. Now we got to move in, kind of thing. Was that kind of your thought process? That's exactly what it was. We were we were pretty went from being you know this is Michigan Mission Impossible to okay maybe there are some deer here in these little ditches and crevices and stuff. So let's try to hone in on that. Let's try to find some you know marshes or some big deep ditches or sloughs or anything that could potentially a deer could be bedding in and come up out of and then we you know you tie that hand in hand with some food you know maybe there's a a nice bean field next to a cattail marsh if you sat there and scouted it in the evening you would watch deer get out of that marsh and walk out into those soybeans so then you have to put put a plan together all right how can i hunt them with no trees there's the next problem (laughs) right yep so i guess coming into this telling people listening to this if you're going into it would you say the you know first night or to really glass my distance like figure it out first and which kind of goes unsaid like that's what you should probably be doing anyway but yeah. especially if you don't really know like always kind of i say err on the side of caution stay back a little bit figure it out then move in so would you agree with that like don't go in guns a blazing like maybe cast a net with your cameras like you said and if yeah. you can bait do that just to kind of you know, you got more eyes essentially, you know, in the working at once than you might only have with yourself. So is that what you would say? Like, just get in there, cast the net first and see what happens. Exactly, man. Like scouting in Michigan is good. Depending on where you live in Michigan, it's so, there's so many thickets and there's houses and there's, you can only scout so much from the truck here, in my opinion. But when you're in North Dakota and you can see, like you said, your dog run away for two days, you can scout from the road and you can see so much stuff i mean you hardly need to hang an observation stand uh on this last trip we were just out there two weeks ago um we drove through the night got there super late you know crashed in the house for a couple hours i woke up and nick's already gone i'm like where the heck did nick go you know it's 6 a.m or something 
and he jumped in the truck and went and he was already out looking for deer and he just drove the truck to the top of the highest hill he could find and got out of the truck with his spotting scope and sat on top of the hill and uh he came back an hour later and he's like yeah i saw a bunch of good bucks like shooter bucks from the top of this hill with my spotting scope i'm like no nice. way dude we've been here two hours you've already seen like how the heck just scouting goes so far i mean scouting is huge i'm sure we could beat that dead horse forever but when you get into that big terrain i think scouting is the most important thing you could do you know and that goes for just about anywhere where you can scout like you said because i feel like us as hunters get drilled in your head that like you got to get in especially if you're going on a trip that you have limited time you might have taken six or seven days off for vacation from your job but like going in and maybe taking a day off you know or a night off or something just to get eyes on like an area to figure out what's going on is is key and like i said it on a podcast not too long ago um i was on a podcast the whitetail legacy guys asked me to come on their podcast and they're asking me like in october how am i like the mid mid part of october how is my hunts like like how am i approaching it well what i like to do here in michigan and you've seen my one acre farm and you know how open it is um what i like to do is like i'll take my daughter to daycare in the morning the mornings i can't hunt and I'll come back and I'll glass the whole section. I'll keep driving the section, driving the section, just seeing what deer are doing. And you learn so much that way. And they're like, oh, I, you know, you take time off in the morning. Like my, my, you know, scouting would be boots on the ground, like get in the timber, which is fine also. But in an area where I can see, I'm just going to stay in the truck and do a gas and glass oh, yeah. and figure out where they're going in. And then I'm moving in that night. Or the oh, next yeah. day, you know. Yeah, that's awesome, man. You can, you can get some intel without having to put that pressure on those deer. I mean, you want to hunt as much as you can, but like you said, if you'd have, you know, went in there and hunted, maybe they would have smelled you or maybe it was the wrong wind. Well, if you're not going to hunt, then scout, in my opinion. Right. Um, yep. So, no, I agree. Uh, so that was that was Nick and I's whole thought process to, you know, to have enough. Our goal is to go to, go to North Dakota and to kill two bucks. And we know that's what we want to do. We want to go there. We want to be successful. So we want to do everything we can in our power um, to do that. And we don't really want to burn up our limited time there to hunt scouting. So we we're like, all right, let's do an early trip, put the cameras out and we'll do some scouting there. I mean, I guess in a week's time frame or two weeks time frame, the deer could definitely be transitioning that velvet's going to come off what we learned two weeks ago could not even be useful information now um but that's kind of what we wanted to do we wanted to scout two weeks ago to really try to lay eyes on some deer get the cameras out do as much scouting as we can so that way when we go back to hunt you know we can kind of execute on our you know what we scouted already yep for sure now what what would you say would be like a good shooter buck in North Dakota, like in the area you're in from what you've seen on camera, what you guys have glassed, like, what are you seeing right now? So we're seeing anything from, um, let's say hundred, 110 inch deer all the way up to, I think the biggest one we have on camera is probably going to go in the sixties. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yep. And I think we have, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 bucks on camera in between that 125, 135 range. Okay. So it's a lot. I mean, it's just about like you go anywhere, you know, you're going to get those Pope and Youngers, you know, those 130s to 140s. There's probably going to be 
uh, a plentiful amount of those, but then you're going to get the the couple gaggers, you know, like right. the, the couple guys that are like in the 50s and 60s. So that's good. Like that's that's awesome to see. Are they still in velvet right now? You're probably getting pictures today, even with your yeah. cell cam. So are they still in velvet? They are. They start shedding. I think we have two bucks that are out of velvet as of yesterday. Okay. That I, I've seen, actually so. got one buck in Michigan right now that's out of velvet, and it's today's September 1st. We're recording this September 1st. So I'd like to think probably by the 7th, usually here in Michigan, September 7th, usually they're all pretty shed out by that yeah. time. Yeah. So you got to gotta have a little bit of luck to get one in velvet. Um, and that was kind of cool. Like our first trip, like I said, we went out five years ago. And our third day, we were able to uh, harvest a buck there. I was just filming. Um, my buddy was hunting, but we killed a full velvet buck, 140-something-inch buck from the ground and a ground blind, and there wasn't a tree for 10 miles. <laughs> we just killed him right there in this tiny That's little crazy. spot. I think we were like 50 or 60 yards from an abandoned homestead. And if you were to sit there and look at that spot on you know, Onyx or HuntWise or to cyber scout that spot, you would say, no, I'm not going to hunt that. And even yeah. after even after going in there and putting boots on the ground in it, it was questionable. Is it is it even worth hunting? Mm-hmm. I don't know. All you can do is try. You know, you can scout it and put some some corn and camera out and hope for the best. Yeah. So you know, you've already made that trip out. You and Nick went out, put some cameras up, put some stands and blinds. Going back, you know, you're going to be leaving tomorrow, Thursday. So Friday is Friday the opener. It is Friday. Yep. Okay. So Friday, if you're going to get time you know, to get there Friday for an evening sit, like what's your plan after saying, you know, if you're going do some scouting, we've been talking about scouting, you've scouted a little bit already. Like what's your plan for Friday? Are you getting right in a stand or are you going to sit back? Like what's your, what's your thought process right now? I think Friday we're going to try to jump in a stand as it's going to be, it looks like the coldest day for our entire trip. There's a, there's a smaller cold front, more of just like a weather front coming through. There's a lot of rain that's supposed to hit, uh, tomorrow. Um, so we're actually going to be traveling right into that rain. It would have been nice if that would have happened, you know, one day later, (laughs) but it is what it is. At least the temperature is going to come down when Friday, I think it's going to be like in the low seventies, 71 or 72 is the high for for opening day. So it's kind of like, Ooh, you don't want to burn that day scouting because that's one of your coolest days. Um, so we're probably going to look at our cell camera data and kind of just figure out, okay, which stand or which blind set for what wind and which one has what buck showing up. And I don't know if we're going to draw straws or flip a coin or, or whatever, but we're just going to use all that data together as a big hole and kind of just make an educated decision, uh, where we're going to hunt. Okay. So is your plan to film each other or self film and both kind of go separate ways? So I think because we only have a week, this trip that we're going out for is like seven, eight. Nick's like, I could go nine, maybe 10 days at the absolute most, but we're going to try to do this in like seven, eight days is our goal. Um, So time is kind of short. Obviously, it's nice to hunt together with a camera guy because that's that's nice, but we want to kill deer. So we're going to we're going to spread out. And we're going to, we're going to self film all of our stuff, you know, being in a ground blind with a corn pile out in front of you, there's not a lot of filming that's going on. You got your shit on a tripod. It's aiming at the corn pile. You don't really have much to film anyway. So, yep. So what's your, what's your thought process about hunting over bait? I mean, a lot of people, you know, it's, I feel like it's kind of a love hate kind of deal. Either you, you know, you really enjoy it. You like seeing the deer feels like you get a better opportunity sometimes other people are just hate it. it's not hunting it's you know shooting fish in a barrel like where are you at with that um i'm 50 50 i i would say i i mean 
I think early season is a lot like late season and that's the easiest way to like get down on a pattern of a deer. And another reason that I'm going to use that to my advantage is a, it's legal and B I'm 16 hours from home. <laughs> so and you got a lot like, of money wrapped up too. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We're, you know, we're spending a lot of money in gas and a tag and, and everything that we got to do to get out there. And, uh, I mean, we're doing it on a budget, but we're still spending a good amount of money. So it's, I'm 50, 50 on the bait thing, but I'd like to see somebody 16 hours away go out to North Dakota and kill one without any bait. That I don't even know if that. I mean, early, I'm sure you, yeah. early, early season that that would be tough. I mean, maybe if you had some good crops and you knew where the deer were bedding and eating, and you could set up between them without a bait pile or something. I, I guess I'm just I'm I'm not that experienced yet. I could see myself, you know, four or five years down the road of doing this trip every year, saying, okay, I I don't need a bait pile. I could yep. I could really just hunt them in their own movement, I suppose, but. Yep. Are you, do you guys have any access to water? Cause like you said, you know, drought, is there like water tanks out in fields and stuff like that? Like, are, is that an option? Yeah, man. North Dakota is full of water. I mean, which a lot of it is dried up now with the drought they got going on, but there is a lot of water. I don't know if I've ever seen so much water in one place in my life. I mean, you can almost like throw well, a rock. We live in from... Michigan, so it's, what's this? <laughs> Even Michigan, more. At, at any any given time in Michigan, you're six miles from a body of water. <laughs> Dude, I, th- I think I can throw a rock to the next pond and then go to that pond and throw a rock to the next pond. Really? Yeah, it is waterfall, like capital of the world. I mean, there's just ducks and geese slamming in puddles and ditches everywhere. There's so much water. I mean, it's a drought, but there is just water everywhere. So that would definitely be an option, though, too, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. So, man, my head's going all over right now for, like, (laughs) you know, what what this trip's going to... I've already penciled my trip in with you guys next year because you guys (laughs) didn't invite me this year. So... But I, I did have to decline, you know, before you guys even invited me because I am building a house. So it is out of the cards this year. But next year, if, you know, if all, all goes well, I'm going next year. I want to be in on that trip. So let's do it, man. We're going to have I'm a blast. I'm inviting myself. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're welcome to go with us for sure. Oh, <laughs> uh, So, you know, you guys are heading out. And what is going to be your criteria for a buck? Like, what has it got to be for you to kill it? Like, you know, what what are we talking size wise age? Like what what are we thinking? A little bit of both. I don't, I don't want to kill an immature deer. You know, obviously I'd like to kill something that's good, but I also have realistic standards. Again, I'm 16 hours away from home and I'm doing everything I can to, to get one in front of me. And I think that velvet might, uh, might persuade me one way or the other, you know, it it could be, uh, you know what I'm saying? Picture, picture a nice buck coming in in full velvet and you're like, Ooh, like he he might even be just a little bit smaller than I was looking for, but if he's in full velvet, that's going to be hard to let walk. So I I could definitely see that. I I don't know if I could put an inch or an age on him or whatever. It's all going to be real situational what he is, but we we have a couple that are showing up in daylight right now that, that are, I'm not going to have to question if I want to shoot them, you know, in velvet or out of velvet. So I'm, I'm praying that's what happens. I get one that's, as Nick calls a tweener, in betweener. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't want to see no tweeners. Like, I don't want to have to think. I want to get excited and go, oh, yeah, that's what we're here for. Well, considering Nick is probably, I mean, Nick, with all, all stuff aside, Nick is an unbelievable whitetail hunter, but Nick also has a horseshoe lodged so far up his keister that he is going to kill i'm going to call it right now he's going to kill are you guys going to hunt mornings 
Uh, I don't think so, but he's killing first day. You can call it. No, he's killing second night. Second night, okay. Yep. And you're going to kill first night. Ooh, I'm going to kill before Nick? Yes. Yep. Well, Ooh, Tide's be- got to change. I mean, he's he's got to get off the throne eventually. Like it's, Right. You know, I'm sick of this crap. Every time I open social media in the fall, he's got a deer down, and it's o- like, what the October hell, October 2nd, most of the time. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, dude, like, I'm happy for you because you're a buddy, but, like, like let everybody else have a chance. Like, just sit at home and do nothing for a couple days. Right. Know? Let everybody I- else have the limelight. <laughs> I just want him to sit in my blind because my odds go up so much if he's yeah. just sitting there like a little garden gnome, you know? No, yeah. I want a gnome too. Like, I just want that little guy. You just sit there, don't move, you know, and just be my lucky charm kind of thing. Big, big buck magnet. <laughs> yep. That's Nick Kohili. Um, I'll put his uh, phone number in the show notes after <laughs> this so number. you guys can uh get a hold of him and he I'll bet you if you pay him enough money he'll come be a gnome for you. I mean he'll be tagged out in Michigan the first two days. So he's got the whole season wide open, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's gonna love this. Yeah. Yep, definitely. So I mean, what would you say you guys so you got two guys going. How much are you guys going to have wrapped up in this, like money wise, just to kind of break down for everybody out there that, that, you know, it's a question I get a lot is like, how much is it, you know, to go hunt a state or whatever? So like, I, I, I didn't even, this is an on the spot question. Cause I didn't even tell you to get this ready, but like, what do you gas food, you know, tags, like how much do you have wrapped up just you yourself right now? Um, I'm trying to do this trip for like a thousand bucks, which is pretty insane to think about doing an out west trip you know 16 hours away with the yep. tag gas groceries you know all i'm trying to like i said a thousand dollar budget for myself and that's actually with two trips that's with going out there that's with you know buying corn that's with everything that we've bought i don't want to spend over a thousand bucks because i got money that i'm saving for the fall and the rut trips and you know vacation time all that stuff that you're saving for in the fall you don't want to burn it all up in september and then not be able to travel in october so right um, but I want to say, um, my truck was getting like 650 or 700 miles of the tank, which is a, it's a newer diesel, but we were, I was filling up in Michigan. I think we did one fill up like halfway there, whatever it was. And then, you know, halfway back filled up again. Like, I think I got out there for like 150 bucks. That's pretty like, damn good with gas prices. Like now, thanks. Yeah. Trump Biden. Yeah. <laughs> so that'll be the cool thing about next year. You know, if you do decide to go with us, if you're serious about that, uh, more people you put in your truck, cheaper it gets because yeah. not, now you're splitting gas three ways. Yep. No, um, I am serious about next year. As long as I'm not on another trip, I'm serious. I'm going. So Nice. Yeah, dude, for sure. That's like, if I were to do this by myself, this trip would cost me $500 more. Exactly. You, yep. You just break down the cost a little bit more. You yeah. Know, if you have more guys. But uh, I want to say the tag, I haven't even bought my tag out there yet, but I want to say it's like a 270 or 280 or something. What do you get with that tag? I want to say it's one either sex tag. I could be wrong. Okay. Gotcha. Um, but I've heard it's a pain in the ass to get a rifle tag out there. I guess somebody was telling me that it takes like eight years to get a rifle tag for a resident in North Dakota, really? hmm. which I... I could have heard that wrong, but he was like, yeah, he just got a rifle tag, took him this long. I was like, what the heck, as a resident? Um, something else that's interesting, off topic, I'm kind of transitioning a little hard, but when we were out there, uh, we were driving around. Every deer that we seen driving was running. I mean, these are the most skittish deer I've ever seen in my entire life. 
Really? I've ne- yeah. And I've never seen deer that skittish. I mean, from the Midwest to Michigan to anywhere. I mean, if you could see a deer, I don't care if it was 600 yards away. If it's seen the truck, it was running like dead sprint. I wonder if and they I'll, have like a lot of poaching problems. I don't know if it's poaching. I just think North Dakota is so big and the rifle hunters, and I don't know if they shoot them out of the truck or what they're doing. I have no idea, but I've never seen deer so skittish. And it, I guess it's everywhere in North Dakota is what I heard. What are you seeing on cameras? Like when they're coming into a corn pile, are they acting kind of skittish as well? You think? No, not too bad. Actually. It seems like they're just coming in and chowing down just like a normal buck would at a corn. I mean, almost like more comfortable than you would suspect. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's pretty interesting as well. But I think a lot of that is, I don't think there's a lot of bow hunters out there. These deer probably aren't seeing bow hunt, bow hunting pressure. Right. Um, when we went out five years ago, like I told you about, we talked to a farmer down there and, uh, we said, yeah, we're, we're hunting. He said, oh, season don't open for another month. And we said, no, we're, we're bow hunting. And he, this dude was knee slapping. He's like, you think you're going to kill a deer from the ground? You know, you, you're so funny. He's <laughs> smacking his knee and we're like, three days later, he's pulling his driveway with a 140 inch velvet buck. He's like, holy shit. He's calling all of his friends. Come look at these Michigan boys. They just killed a big ass buck. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he, he was like, holy shit. Even a local didn't even know that could be done in a way. So that's, that's, that's how much, you know, that's how little of bow hunting pressure those velvet bucks and early season bucks are getting. Hmm. That's crazy, man. So when you were there five years ago, did you see any other hunters? No, I didn't see any hunters. I didn't see a single hunter. Yeah. And it's, it's, you'd think you would because with all the land out there, that's not posted and that being the only state, you know, that if it's not posted, you can hunt it basically. You'd think yeah. you'd see some hunters around me, and it's like essentially a lot of public land. Um, yeah. So that's kind of crazy. You didn't see anybody else, but the land that you guys are hunting, is it all posted? Because it's all private, right? Yeah, it is all private. So it's kind of a unique situation. The one cool thing about uh, Nick's buddy Austin being out there is he did a little bit of you know scouting for us, like scouted out some property that would be good. And also, like I said, he's a waterfowl hunter. So he's trying to essentially lock down these non-posted farms for himself to waterfowl hunt as well so i mean he lives out there he gets to know all these neighbors these farmers friends of friends and he finds these farms that are you know pretty good farms like whether they have ag on them or cut wheat fields for waterfall or some thickets for deer hunting he gets to know the farmer and goes hey what do you think about me posting your property i'll exclusively hunt it if you need deer killed or birds kill i'll kill them let's take it from a not posted to a posted piece of property and then now he has exclusive rights to hunt that. So that's what he's done. And I want to say he's built up five, 7,000 acres of that was not posted, that is now posted, and that's what we're hunting. Yep. Which essentially, probably a good vast majority, a percentage of that is probably not even huntable for deer just right. because of the lack of, you know, topo- or lack of trees and lack of, you know, cover, basically, right. I would think. It, it sounds impressive saying, you know, five, 7,000 acres. I'm probably hunting three different one acre marshes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I have like three yeah. little spots. Like it, it just sounds crazy. Like how much land you can lock down, but really it's, it might only narrow down to a few spots. Yeah. Well, I can't not wait to get that phone call. I better be <laughs> getting the phone call that says, you know, we got one stuck, but are you, so you guys are going out to film for the rise. You guys, so everybody listening, if you haven't heard of the rise digital series, you guys are on carbon TV and on YouTube. Um, 
you guys do your segment series. So kind of break down like your segment series and when this trip will probably go live and what segment. So this trip is going to be segment one. Normally segment one airs um, like October 15th because starting October 1st, we have to, you know, get two weeks of footage and, you know, whether it be a kill shot or an encounter, that type of stuff, we have to get it together to launch our first segment October 15th. But this year doing an early season hunt, we are going to use this entire month of September to build segment one so that's that's kind of cool so segment one hopefully is going to be a banger this year is kind of our goal um but the segment series is essentially a series that myself and a few buddies put together we spend roughly 100 days hunting in the fall and we break those 100 days down into seven segments and they're basically about a two-week segment and we post these hunts online like like uh, aaron said on carbon tv and youtube And they're in like a two-week semi-live thing. So every two weeks, we drop a video. Every two weeks, we drop another video or a segment is what we call them. And it's kind of, like I said, that semi-live video format. So people throughout the season can follow along with us and watch the hunts as they're they're happening. It's still kind of time relevant. So that's super cool. Yep. Very cool, man. That's I can't wait to see all your content come out this year. Um, I always enjoy watching it. Now, I, I got a hard transition because I just thought of something, and it's a hot-button topic right now, and it has been for a little while, but you guys are using cell cams right now. I use cell cams. Um, you had mentioned you know, you're going to take your cell cam data and you're going to evaluate where you need to go. Now, that being said, you're obviously for cell cams. When is it too far for cell cams like you've taken it too far kind of thing in your mind when people are which thankfully in michigan you can't bait right now and if you had a for say a bait pile out and somebody goes oh look there's a buck on my bait pile and they grab a rifle and go shoot it that's too far for me I, yeah. I think I think that's the part that scares me about cell cameras is that that data is too accessible because I feel like the hunting community and and 90% of hunters or maybe 95% of hunters are all really good people are hunting for the right reason, but there is that small percentage that are a little bit, you know, you, you know, I don't even have to say it, you know, and I I'm scared that that small percentage of people might abuse that technology to, you know, to poach deer or to stack the deck, I guess, unfortunately. Yep. Yeah, definitely. And do you think that cell cams have taken away from, woodsmanship or taken away from like the the pursuit of the hunt at all since they've come out i don't think so i don't think it's took the the pursuit away i think it's i mean i i'm a little bit not i'm not gonna say sad because i like the the niceness of just getting the picture sent to my phone but i do miss like going to my farm checking cameras you know driving a 15 minute drive home with all those sd cards going oh what's on these you yep. know, it's, it's just kind of just evolved. It changed kind of the way things are. And I, th- I think that things are changing, but I don't think it's necessarily for the worse because I think you're going to see a lot more people have a lot more success because they're not putting that pressure on their property going in and checking cameras all the time. Right. Yeah. You know, I did some scouting today in a property that, you know, you know, it's the one acre property. Um, there's, it's broken up. I've said this before. There's a patch of five acre timber roughly, uh, that's in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of a whole bunch of ag fields and went in there today. Cause I'm, I'm going to hang a stand, a set stand, but I'm trying to get into a certain area in there. And 
there's a there's a scrape in there that literally is there every year, you know, and it's it honestly in a way almost kind of looks like a mineral pit because it's like it's there every year. It's dug out like no grass grows there. I went and looked at it today and there's no grass there and the grass is like, you know, waist height all the way around it and the licking branches there's no leaves growing on it anymore it's literally like just a dead branch and the deer hit it every year and honestly the last two years I've been really kind of honing in on it late season like if I go put a camera on there let's say let's call it like Thanksgiving on I will get I'll pick up a buck you know and it, it, he might be like a hundred inch eight pointer but I will pick up one and it's just something, I don't know why they just hit that, that can't or that, that scrape. So I'm trying to figure out a way to, to, to hunt it and get a stand in there. But in this instance with cell cams, it's, you know, five acres or less. And when you walk in there, you're blowing everything out when you go in there, you know what right. I mean? So like, yeah. and the good, I guess the, one of the pros to this is that the, the scrape is kind of on the south end of it a little ways. You're, you're only going into the timber, probably 50 yards to, to, to get to a stand. But in that instance, I'm looking to put a cell cam over that scrape and I'm starting to try to learn more. Like when deer are starting to hit scrapes more like early on, like is the light bulb coming on and they're hitting scrapes October 5th? Is it September 20th? You know what I mean? Like I'm trying to figure out during the season, like when they're starting to hit it, because I like hunting scrapes. Um, you know, if it's a cold front and you know, it's mid October, like I've shot a couple deer over a scrape doing that. So like, I really like to hone in on scrapes, see them, but all scrapes are treated differently. They need to be treated differently because they're, they're all different. You know, you got field edge scrapes, you got cover scrapes, you got in timber scrapes that are mature and you know what I mean? So it's like, you got to analyze everyone. So, so differently, but I guess that was the long form of me saying like, (laughs) that's a good spot for me to like put a cell cam in a, in a small acre patch that you want to monitor that you don't want to go in there and leave sent in because I'm essentially right in the, the belly of the beast of where all the deer want to be. You know, right. so that's, that's, that's kind of how I'm using them, but right. uh, so, everybody's different too. So, yeah. I mean, if, if that was a regular trail camera and you wanted that data now, like if you were going to use that data for this season and you had to go in there, apply that pressure, put that scent in there, check that camera. Okay. Now they're on scrapes. Well, now you did damage by going in and checking that camera. So having that, you know, the cell camera and having that data sent right to your phone and you didn't do damage on that scrape. Now you can actively go in and hunt it. You know, that's, that's the ticket. That's, that's the right way to use cell cameras in my opinion. Right. Yep. And that's, that's what I'm getting. That's what I'm going to get into. I, you know, going to put a cell cam on this here, probably this week, I'm going to hang a stand in there this week and I'm, I'm done. Like I'm not going back in there, you know, that's, and I'm not essentially like I'm monitoring it. Yes. Like if a buck shows up, I'm getting in there like as soon as possible to, you know, he's in the area. I'm going to do that. Now, a lot of people could say that is the wrong way to do it. You know, they're legal here. I, I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but yes, when, when you're abusing them is I agree with you when, 
you got a bait pile or it's gun season and you, you know, you got it on a field edge and you're sitting on one edge of the field and it's like, oh shit, he's over there right now. I'm going to sneak over this hill. I'm going to blow him up. That is, yeah, that's too far. It is. You know, that takes away all the hunting part of it, you know, for sure. But, you know, in my opinion, I say it all the time, you're hunting an away game all the time. You, I don't care if it's your private property, you've hunted it for 30 years. You are hunting a away game. You know, those deer live and live and breathe there and every day, every minute, every second of their existence. And, you know, that let's be honest, they're at one point they can be predictable, but then they can be very humbling as well when you just when you think you know it, you don't. Right. You know, so any way to stack the deck a little bit, maybe I still don't think it's stacking the deck in our favor totally like i don't think it went from like a you know a a huge percentage like oh yeah it's 80 percent. we're gonna kill this deer now well i don't think it's that no but i think it is very it's a tool to use to be able to figure out uh what's there and when he's there and honestly justin hollandsworth said it best he uses cell cams a lot and he likes getting that instant data and he likes to be able to you know get a picture to his phone and be like okay, what's the weather doing? You know, oh, yeah. wow, they're moving and it's 75 degrees on a northwest wind. He's coming in here on northwest wind all the time. All right, that that's a that's a key contributing factor right there, okay? I need to start honing it. And he's like, it made me such a better hunter getting that instant data. And that's when I was like, light bulb, like maybe I should try this a little bit. And ever since then, I love getting instant data and figuring out and asking myself why. Why is he doing that? Yeah. Instead of pulling the card you know, whenever you pull it and then having to go back two weeks on Weather Underground, like, okay, what happened that day? Yeah. What happened that day? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not time relevant anymore. That's the big thing. We've always dissected those photos. You know, we've always, it's essentially science is what it is. You know, going back and looking at the barometric pressure, the wind direction, all this stuff, but it's two weeks later, you know, because you're trying to not apply pressure on these trail cameras when you check them. So now that you have that data sent right to your phone, you can dissect, dissect it right in real time. You know, right. that that's the biggest thing. You're using it for intel. So if you're using it for intel to, like you said, see if this buck's hitting a scrape now, okay, now they're hitting scrapes. That's not you, okay, now I can kill that deer. No, now you just know the deer are hitting scrapes. Maybe I'm going to target some scrapes now, you know? So right. that's, yep. that's using it the right way. Well, and to kind of break down this tree and this scrape and everything, it, it, it sucks for one reason. The tree that the scrape is under is like the most dynamite like tree stand tree oh. and there's no trees around i mean there's trees around it but they're all like spindly like just brushy trees oh. you know what i mean this is the only like mature tree in the area so i'm like gosh like do i really want to put a stand right above this scrape like you know and getting into it and getting out of it and everything and it's like i feel like it's my only option right so i, I gotta break that down as well and try to figure it out in my head what i want to do so i'm i've never hunted out of a saddle but i mean that's apparently the ticket to those crooked ass trees is just getting in there with a saddle yeah that's probably what i should be trying to do in north dakota because the tree that i have my stand in i'm not happy with it (laughs) it's really yeah there's like 10 trees in there and they're all crooked as hell and um i'm just in there and i i hung it kind of crooked and it is what it is. It's it's that or 
be on the ground in a ground blind and i don't really want to yep. hunt out of a ground blind i can i have spots I that are gonna be in a ground blind i just i, I can't see i like being able to see i agree yep. so i think i'd rather sit in a crooked stand you know 10 foot off the ground than sit on a, a ground blind and i can only see 10 foot out of yep well i want to close it out here i got a question for you to close it out if anybody out there listening to this is going to do a trip like this. It might not even be North Dakota. It's just like a traveling trip. What are a couple like key things you would tell them to like, you know, just be aware of whether it might be like a budget or, you know, glassing or, you know, scouting, whatever. Like what are some things that you'd say, like definitely do this, you know, if you're wanting to, to travel to hunt? probably all the above everything we've talked about in this whole podcast from you know cyber scouting to you know just i think the biggest thing is being able to adapt and and not being afraid to fail like if you're going to go hunt a new state especially a state you've never been to you're going to get your ass whooped you're not just going to go in there and kill you know i mean i guess we we did we got super lucky there was a ton of luck involved but like in missouri i've been hunting in missouri out of state for this would be my third season i have yet to kill a deer in missouri and i'm okay with that i'm learning and I'm not, I'm not afraid of failing. I think it's important that a lot of people are afraid to, oh, I just, I could never hunt that state because I just, I don't know. Well, well no, go right. in, go in there, expect to get your ass kicked, expect to learn, expect to fail, you know, put the time in and learn and scout and just do everything you can to just take it all in from, from data, from cell cameras to scouting and glassing, to driving around, to, to meeting locals and seeing what they're shooting and, you know, what they're doing and just, uh, just cluster that all up use everything you can in your power to to try to be successful and yeah that's pretty much it well said man i like that let's uh close it out there and i think when you guys get back i want to do another podcast maybe get nick on here as well and let's do a conclusion podcast i i honestly think you're gonna kill first night nick's gonna kill second night you guys will be home before monday oh oh my gosh let's let's hope that happens <laughs> <laughs> like when this goes live you guys will already be back home with two bucks and you know just gearing up ready for your next trip that's what's gonna happen i'm gonna call it right now i'm gonna be pulling my hair out i've hunted all my spots <laughs> i haven't seen a single deer yep uh, they're winding you and yeah you know, yep oh geez well let's just you guys will be home by monday trust let, me. let's hope <laughs> good deal man i appreciate you coming on and doing this and uh yeah good luck out there awesome man thanks for having me appreciate it all right there you have it thank you tyler for coming on it's always great catching up with him and like i said we are going to come up with a concluder podcast here to uh and i I think we're going to try to get nick on as well i'd like to get nick and tyler on just to get both their point of views on how their trips unfolded so that'll be cool as well so with that being said go over to itunes leave a five-star rating leave a review it is greatly appreciated thank you so much for all the support and all the downloads last month, August, was a huge month. Thank you guys very much. Good luck this fall. And don't forget, we'll be right here next week on the Fall Podcast. Brave anglers search for the one they call king. But who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.